Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. As church planting pastors, we know the importance of having a healthy marriage. We see Paul emphasize this in his first letter to Timothy. So it's right that we consistently ensure that our marriages are healthy in ministry. But there's also a danger of assuming that every pastor will be married, when in reality this is not the case. A godly single man who has the character traits we see outlined in the pastoral epistles is no less qualified than a godly married man. So we must equip the single man for ministry just as much as we do for the married man. And as Sam Alberry so aptly said, if marriage shows us the shape of the gospel, singleness shows us its sufficiency. So what does singleness look like in church planting? To help us think about some of the unique challenges and opportunities that being single affords, I'm excited to have my friend Hunter Beaumont with me on the podcast today. Hunter is the lead pastor of Fellowship Denver Church in Denver, Colorado. He also serves on the X29 West Network Leadership Team, and he's on the board of the Denver Institute for Faith and Work. Hunter, welcome to the podcast, man. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, Hunter and I have uh, been at various events together, and uh, you may see him out speaking at uh, events, church planting events, other events, and uh, it's great to have you here, bro. Thanks. Appreciate it. Do you get tired of talking about singleness? Yeah, well, uh, sometimes, but it's also something I feel like I'm supposed to talk about. So uh, even kind of coming to terms a, a few years ago with my own uh, journey in this has been really uh, good for me and integrating that into my story and learning to learning to talk about it it's been helpful to others so so it's something I feel like the Lord's told me I need to talk about mm-hmm. well we're glad you're gonna spend a few minutes with us tell us a little bit about yourself uh, where, where did you grow up how did you come to faith well where I grew up is a little hard to hard to describe because I bounced around quite a bit with my family but our people are originally from Arkansas ironically I was uh, born in Alabama and went back to Alabama for high school, and uh, that was significant in my, in my faith journey, actually. I uh, came to faith in high school, in a Christian high school, through the ministry of a Christian high school in Birmingham, Alabama, so uh, a lot of ragging on Christian high schools, but I'm thankful for them. And uh, I grew up in, in uh, modernist, mainline Methodist churches, which is just a fancy way of saying that uh, my pastors didn't believe the gospel, essentially, and uh, so I really didn't know it and, and hadn't been exposed to it. had just been exposed to a gospel-less form of church that wasn't uh, very powerful or compelling. And so uh, to be exposed to the gospel in high school and to see people who it made a difference in their life and they were, they were living it out was, uh, was really compelling to me and, and significant in my story. Mm. So take us from conversion up to church planting. Uh, I went to uh, the University of Arkansas and got involved in campus ministry there. Uh, also got involved in fraternity life, and, and fraternity life and campus ministry aren't, aren't an easy marriage, and, and so I, I struggled to figure that out. And, uh, and really, even the struggle of figuring out how to be a, a Christian in a predominantly non-Christian environment was, was huge for what would later become uh, ministry and church planting for me. 
uh, graduated with a degree in accounting, uh, went to work for one of the big five at the time, accounting firms, Arthur Anderson. Uh, it collapsed in the Enron scandal. I was on board when it collapsed. And uh, were you, but were you the cause? I was not the cause. I was far. I was in Dallas, so I was far removed from 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 Houston, where the, which was the epicenter of the uh, of the earthquake. But uh, about three years into my accounting career, I really wanted to pursue pastoral ministry. I had been involved for the first time in a really good local church. Uh, the the, te- the the church was a combination of excellent preaching and teaching which I was growing from, and also really strategic leadership. Uh, they thought intentionally about the mission of the church, uh, where they were going as a church. They just led the congregation really well. So I had always thought of church as just, it's always there and it does the same thing. And, and it was, it was uh, we would use the term entrepreneurial today. I know you used, you've done a previous podcast on that. It's, they didn't use that term, but that's what it was. And, and combined with really robust teaching and preaching, so it was really compelling to me. I knew how to get up in front of people and talk. I've been doing that for most of my life. Uh, I thought I could do this if I had anything to say, but I don't have anything to say. So, uh, so I went to seminary and went to seminary to learn theology, learn Bible, church history. And uh, in seminary, while in seminary, I had an accounting client in Denver, Colorado, and I fell in love with Denver. And, and God gave me a particular burden, especially for the, the urban center of Denver, which uh, this would have been in the early 2000s that I was there. It was, it was kind of on the front end of, of kind of the, the movement of people returning to the cities, Christians returning to the cities. There really weren't any uh, very many gospel preaching churches that were really trying to reach people in the middle of Denver in the year 2000, 2001, 2002. There's many now by God's, by God's grace. But there weren't many then, and so I, I was just burdened for these people. And, and so for me, church planting was really a call to a particular place and people, and I think that's significant. I, I meet church planters who, who they're like, I'm a church planter, and I'm just trying to figure out where to plant a church. Uh, and, and, and then I meet others who, who maybe have a more spe- specific call to a people in a place, and mine was to a people in place. Uh, did some assessments and found out that I'm kind of, uh, wired, gifted, uh, to, to be a planter that's, that's in the makeup God's given me. But, uh, but my, my thought process was not, I'm an entrepreneurial leader. Where do I go? It was, it was really more, here's a people in a place that God's just given me a special passion for. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about singleness and church planting. Um, do you think we need to give more time to training single men for church planting? Uh, give give more time to training uh, uh, single women uh, in our churches. Um, w- what's been your experience? What are some of the gaps? What are some of the needs? Mm-hmm. Probably just to be open to the possibility is it, it, of single men and women in uh, church planting in pastoral ministry is is where I would say the church probably needs to start. I think we have. Uh, a lot of great avenues for, for training and equipping. It is a there there is there there is a sense that in which single men and women are 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 automatically considered not yet ready for 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 those processes. I remember graduating seminary and looking for jobs in ministry and and 
not really having any options. There, there weren't churches that were, wanted to hire a, a 31-year-old at the time single guy. So um, church planting wasn't, I didn't plant a church because that's all I could do, but, but it was actually a church planting organization called Fellowship Associates uh, agreed to partner with me, train me, uh, and, and, and it was really unusual at the time, and probably still is unusual, for uh, a church planting organization or a church that's sending church planters to really consider a single man for that for that calling but but they did they they agreed to it they they took a took a chance on me and and so even just to be in that track uh was unusual mm-hmm. what kind of opportunities has singleness uh afforded you in ministry well there's uh there's there's the obvious i would i would say there's the obvious uh answers which are true and need to be acknowledged which which are that uh being single gives you an opportunity to devote yourself wholly to a, a work of kingdom advancement in a way that that uh, marriage makes more complicated, and having a family makes makes more complicated. So you, you know you plan the church and, and you lead a church. You know how uh, how exhausting it is. You know how much energy it requires, and and there is a certain element of freedom to to give yourself fully to that, and. Uh, and in a way that you don't that that I just notice my my married friends who are also pastors and church planners uh, have more complicated considerations. So so that's that's the obvious one. Um, the surprising one for me has been uh, I I've had to I've had to develop uh, a a theology of singleness in the kingdom of God and. I did that a few years ago when a friend challenged a friend of mine, Bob Thune, who's an Acts 29 pastor, asked me to come uh, teach at his church on a theology of singleness. And I said, Bob, I don't have a theology of singleness. And he's, <laughs> you know, and he said, uh, he said, well, you got a couple of months to figure it out. So, so I did. I started figuring it out. And, uh, and it was such a it, it was so life giving to my to my soul to to study that, uh, to see how the, the kingdom of God uh, advances through the making of disciples, not through the, not through making babies, but through making spiritual children, through new birth, not uh, and not through uh, procreation, and and to notice that the, if the, if that is the case with the kingdom of God, there's actually no disadvantage to being single. You can participate in it. So you've got you've got guys like Paul calling people his spiritual children. Um, when Jesus wants to put the gas pedal down, he, he raises up a, a single guy. And, and this, was a new, this is a new thing in redemptive history. The people of God in the Old Testament advance by procreation. And in fact, when uh, God tells Jeremiah not to take a wife as a sign of his judgment on Israel. So that there, is a, there is something new that's happened with the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's unleashed a new age, a new era. And, and just learning that uh, and, and, and seeing my life in that story has been incredibly powerful. The, the fun thing about that is that message is life-giving to so many people. Uh, it's not just life-giving to single men and women, although it is. It's, it's life-giving to, to <laughs> there's a whole, there's a, it's life-giving to anybody who has uh, who is experiencing an element of of suffering or disappointment with with their life? Yeah. 
I've, I've probably done 15 times, I've done a, uh, a sermon or a seminar at churches around the country on singleness, on this theology of singleness, and, and, and every single one of them, without fail yet, someone has talked to me who, uh, some couple has come up and talked to me who is struggling to have children. And, and they, have, they have said, this has given, new, uh, this has given uh, me a new, new eyes on our situation. Um, someone inevitably comes up to talk to me who's lost a spouse and used to be married and, and is now not married through the death of a spouse. And they say, this has given me new, helping me see new possibilities for how God wants to use my life and, and, and use me to advance his kingdom. So that's been a fun part of being single in ministry and kind of being a unicorn in some sense. It's like you get to talk about this because you're the only person to talk about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a fun part about, about it that I, it's just unexpected. And, yeah. and uh, there's, a, there's a, a strange joy in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you already hit on my next question, which was how has singleness helped you disciple both single and married people, right? Yeah. The, the disappointment, the, the, um, the struggle, the reality of living in a fallen world, the hope of a new creation. That's right. That all of that is filtered in, right? It has. And, and part of my story has been coming to terms with, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not single by conscious choice as if, like I set out to, I, I took a vow of celibacy. I remember when I went into, went into seminary, all my friends in the accounting firm were like, so are you like going to be a monk? You know, <laughs> and, and like they didn't know what a seminary was. And then they're like, are you like going to live in a monastery? Did you yep. take a, and then they would kind of go, did you take a, a vow? No sex. You know, and, they were kind of, and, and I would say no. No, I'm I'm committed to celibacy out, uh, as a single man, uh, but I'm but I haven't uh, forsworn marriage, and I still would say that. So, part of my story has been coming to terms with uh, with a good desire God's given me uh, that that has not been fulfilled, and and recognizing the 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 ache, the the tension in that, and learning to 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 lean into that. You can pastor a lot of people from that. And, and you, you know that God uses our, he usually uses our disappointment, our, our failures, uh, our, uh, the things we struggle with. He, he uses that to, to pastor people and to, to make us effective ministers. So that's certainly part of my story. It's not the only part, but it is part of it. Talk to us about the church, the church being the family of God. Mm. Um, how can the church grow as they think, as we think about caring for single people in their congregation? Well, let's start theologically. The, theologically, the, the church is the primary expression of family in, in the New Testament. And, the, and the, what we would call the nuclear family is the, is the secondary expression of family. That's, that is so weird uh, in American culture that it almost sounds dumb to say and it and it almost sounds impossible to lean into, and I and I know that many single people um, are disappointed that it's not more of a family. In fact, when I talk with single people around the country, inevitably someone will get you know they'll have be a Q and A session, and someone will just go off on you know married people and marriage idolatry and all this, and I have to kind of walk them back like, hey man, let's not let's not let's not throw rocks at our brothers and sisters, you know, let's let's bear with, but. 
but there is there is I think a longing for for uh, a, that a lot of people not just not just those who have never been married but but many uh, in our in our body have for the church to really live out its calling as the as the family of God and and so practically what that means is. Uh, just developing a culture in the church where we open our our lives, open our homes, up to each other, uh, and in a way that's not like like well put together Southern hospitality, where there's a you know there's a, a casserole and and everything's you know perfectly uh, put together, but but just opening your life up. So I have I have friends who uh, who some of the sweetest times with them is uh, dinner at. 5:30. Married people eat dinner really early because they got to get their kids to bed so they can have an adult life. And, and, and so, so you know, you're like showing up for dinner at 5:30, 6 o'clock. Which who eats dinner at that time of day? But but married people with three kids do. So so being just being at being at their home during dinner time, where kids are just talking about the day, and then they're wrestling to get kids down, and we're just going to hang out a little bit afterwards. That's man. That's not. It's not. That's not glamorous. And there's no advanced prep they did except you know putting one extra piece of chicken in the oven so mm-hmm. that's fine it's good now i know you've done a lot of work on in church planting cohorts um how have you and you've been through a lot of them you mentioned fellowship associates how have you seen those help yourself and other single guys mm-hmm. talk to maybe some aspiring church planters who who are single one of the it, it's it's just really important to have to have friends uh in and i think it's important to have friends in ministry it's important to have friends who are not in full-time vocational ministry, but it's also important to have friends who are because there's unique uh, challenges that that they can identify with. And so um, the the cohorts cohorts are a great opportunity just to to develop those that kind of friendship with with other other pastors. Uh, there there's also a collegiality that that develops where uh, it. it we're we're not in competition with each other, but we're but we're we're helping each other. So this is a this is a need for for single men as much as it is for 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 married guys and and so for me cohorts have just been an opportunity to to lock arms with some guys to learn from them to uh, and and to share life and to share share my own journey and and receive theirs as well. Uh, so I think it's I think they're they're really they're really important. I have an informal cohort uh, of myself and four other pastors. We all started churches in a similar time, and we're all similar age uh, within within a few years of each other. We call ourselves the Soul Brothers, <laughs> and, and and we get together uh, two or three times a year just just really to more, more to share what's going on in your heart and in your life than to talk about uh, ministry strategy. So we do we do chop that stuff up, of course. We but but we but we really just share. Here's the here's the burdens I'm carrying. Here's the joys I'm experiencing. Um, here are the things I'm praying for 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 our people from for my life. Here's the here are the questions I have before the Lord that I'm seeking His direction and guidance on. Um, here's here's what's unknown about about uh, life now. Here's what's unknown about the future that I I need you guys to join me in. And uh, to ha- we've been doing this now for uh, three plus years, and and to kind of be on a on that kind of journey with some with some other men is uh, incredibly 
uh, powerful. And one of them, even last week, was reminding me of uh, where I was three years ago and, and what we've seen in those three years and how the Lord has answered prayers and, and done things in, in, in my life, in my ministry, and in my heart. And it's just, you need friends that are doing that for you. It's good. And you've outlined some really important topics on this subject. Um, so we're looking at uh, Denver, uh, being, being single, being a church planter. Uh, what excites you in, in, the, uh, in the year to come about mm. Denver? What are some of the challenges you guys have? Um, Den- Denver is a, is a fast-growing city. It attracts a lot of uh, single folks, young, younger single folks to it. It's, it's, a, it's a classic Western American city where people move for opportunity and, and they move for lifestyle and they often move to get away from something they don't want to be in. Typically, it's uh, somewhere in Kansas or somewhere in Michigan or somewhere in Texas <laughs> or somewhere in Tennessee that they don't want to be anymore. And they move to get away from religion too. They move to get away from conservative fundamentalist religion. Um, and, uh, man, I love those people. So what's exciting in Denver, we've seen a, we've seen a, a real, uh, growth of the capital C church there. There are quite a few churches now in the city and in the, and in the suburbs that are, that are effectively, faithfully, uh, teaching the gospel and missionally engaging people, real people. And so it's an exciting time in Denver. It's also a difficult, it's, it's also has its challenges. Um, the, the Denver is probably one of the few cities in America where, where what used to be called emergent still has some life to it and even has some institutional life to it. And, and so that is a constant challenge that there is a, there's really a competing gospel message competing for the hearts and minds of people. So it's not purely a, a city where there's kind of a secular message and a gospel message that are competing. There's also a, a pseudo gospel message that's competing for the hearts and minds of, of people. And so it's a complex, uh, complex time. Mm. Hunter Beaumont, lead pastor of Fellowship Denver Church, Denver, Colorado. Can the listeners uh, go to your website, hear your sermons? Um, find out more about your for sure fellowshipdenver.org and thanks for being on the podcast brother. thank you Tony